but I won't judge. I won't judge, all right? If you're here and you have a tattoo or something on you is pierced, raise your hand. Look at all these sinners. Wow. Wow. It's a good thing you came today. Wow. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm joking. Okay, so, but we're going to try to answer that today. What does the Bible say about tattoos? And now, I want to lay my cards on the table, okay? I want to lay my cards on the table. I do not have a tattoo, and I have absolutely nothing on me pierced, and it is for the exact same reason. It would hurt, right? Like if, like if I got like the same exact tattoo and just rubbed it on me every day, I'm going to go there, but it would hurt. Like I hate needles. In heaven, there is no sin. The devil isn't there. There's no spiders and needles. Amen. I mean, there's just not. There's just not. God let Satan create clowns, spiders, and needles. That's what I know. And so, so, I, so I don't, that, but that's why I don't have a tattoo. I don't have, now I came real close to getting a tattoo one time, and then I remembered, needle, no. And, uh, but so I don't have a tattoo, and I don't have anything at all uh, pierced on me uh, whatsoever. And so, uh, but let's just try to answer that. What does the Bible say about getting a tattoo? What does the Bible say? about piercings. And here you go. If you're taking notes, are you ready? Are you ready? You better be ready if you're taking notes, because I'm going to tell you, here we go, what the Bible says about tattoos and piercings. Not much. Not a lot. You guys, you guys got me on this one, okay? There's, there's honestly not a lot in the Bible about tattoos and piercings, except for one verse in everybody's favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. All right, so, so here it is on the screen. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Some of you are like, oh, dang it. But I got Jesus tattooed right here. It's too late. It's too late. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, some people look at that and they say, boom, done deal. It's a sin. Bible says it's a sin. Bible says don't cut yourself. Bible says don't get tattoos. It's a sin, not so fast. Because, because here's something that has come up every single week. I'm pretty sure it's come up every week uh, in this series, is this word, context. Okay? That's a really important word. In fact, can I just get everybody to say that with me so that we're, I know we're all listening? Let's all say it on three. One, two, three, context. Let me just tell you what that means, because I don't want to assume that everybody knows what I mean when I say that. You know, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So here's what, the, here's what, here's what it means when we talk about how important it is to read the Bible in context. See, everything you read in the Bible, you need to ask the question, why did God say that? Because something is happening that made God say that. So in Leviticus chapter 19, and everybody knows this story. It doesn't matter if you're totally new to church and totally new to the Bible. Everybody knows this story because everybody knows the story, right, of how Israel, they were slaves in Egypt, you know, and, and God sent Moses or Charlton Heston, I don't know how you roll, but God sends Moses into Egypt to set Israel free, and there was the ten plagues and all of this stuff. Well, the reason that God wanted Israel to be free so that Israel could go and worship God and live for God and have a relationship with God without nothing holding them back. And so long ordeal you read about it in the book of Exodus, God ultimately, through Moses and through all kinds of crazy circumstances, um, God sets Israel free. 
And once Israel is set free, God has a long conversation with Israel. That's why if you read the book of Leviticus, you're like, man, this doesn't make sense to me. It's it's like coming out of another world. Or you look at verses like this, and there's some other verses. It just doesn't make sense to me. I I don't live in a world like this before. I don't live in a world like this. And you're right. You don't. And here's why. Because when God has this long conversation, it really begins about the middle part of Exodus, and it literally goes all the way through Leviticus and Deuteronomy. God is telling Israel, hey, listen, you are my people. And because that's true, you're going to be different from everybody else. Now, isn't that still true for us today as Christians, right? Amen? Amen? That's still true for us today. The Bible says, be holy as God is holy. Not that we're perfect, but our lives should just look different because Jesus has done something inside of us. But God gets really, 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 really specific with Israel about what it means for them to look differently because they were the first people. you got to get that. They were the very first people to have a relationship with God, to worship the one true and living God. And so God is telling Israel, hey, listen, this is how this needs to look. You need to look differently and act differently than the Egyptians. And one thing that the Egyptians would do is they would worship the dead. So somebody would die, and this is completely true, someone would die, and a lot of times the Egyptians would begin to worship that person. They had a common practice of taking knives and they would cut themselves. They would make tattoos or markings on their body. And they believed that as they bled, it released this element called lifeblood so that that person could, could go somewhere in the universe, become a deity, be a god, and be worshipped. And so that's why you get Leviticus 19.28. And, and just with what I just said, let's read it again. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead. You see that? Because God knows, listen guys, Egypt is doing that. And if you begin to do that, everyone else will see the marks on your body and say those people worship dead people, not the one true and living God. You're my people. You need to be different. So so don't do that at all. Now you get outside of that verse. There is nothing in the Bible about tattoos and piercings. Nothing. There is nothing in the New Testament Now, somebody might say, well, Mark, the Bible says that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're right, it does. And we talked about that last week, how in the context of 1 Corinthians 6, Paul, when he says that that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, he's talking about sexual sin. He's not talking about tattoos. But if we want to take 1 Corinthians 6, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, says, oh, that means you can't get a tattoo. Well, then it also probably applies to the kind of food that we eat, and we should probably not eat junk food. Amen? Anybody want to go there? I personally don't because I'm addicted to Oreos. So if you want to go there, quit judging me. Okay? Right? There's nothing outside of this. Nothing. Now, 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 now. Okay. Somebody here, maybe this is you, um, you still want to use that to knock tattoos. You know, you're, st- you're still here. Leviticus 19.28, it still says tattoos are a sin. And so, like, that's your status on Facebook. Tattoos are sin. If your ears pierced, you're going to bust hell wide open and stuff like that. And you're just fired up about tattoos and piercings, bro. And so you're still convinced that that's what that means. Fine. I'll let you use it. If you'll be consistent enough to apply everything else Leviticus 19 says to you as well. Let me show you an example. You shall not round off the hair on your temples or mar the edges of your beard. I got a haircut this week just so I could quote that verse. I really did. I I was going to do it last week. I waited to this week so I could quote that verse, right? Guys, who shaved in the past 24 hours? Raise your hand. You're totally going to hell. It's over. 
right? Again, again, well, what's he mean? Context, you're different. There's some things going on with other cultures. It's not on the screen. There are places in Leviticus 19 where it says if you wear an outfit made by two different materials, that's a sin, right? So, so some of you better check your tags and your labels this morning. Maybe ask God for some forgiveness. Also in Leviticus 19, it says that if you eat, any, if you eat anything with any type of blood still in it, God, God speaks against that in Leviticus 19. So if you, if, if you eat anything that isn't cooked well done, bro, you're in trouble, right? Nobody takes the rest of that stuff and applies it to them. Why? Because here's why. Leviticus 19, the one mention you get in the Bible about tattoos and piercings, in the cultural context that applies to Israel and doesn't carry forward. It's not in the New Testament. Jesus never talks about tattoos. Jesus never talks about piercings. It's never in there. So this is the shortest sermon ever. See you next week. What do you do at that point? Every once in a while, and I really do because I'm a pastor, and you'd be surprised at like, what people ask pastors. You would think that like we always are like doing really holy stuff. People ask messed up stuff to pastors, okay? You know, like, can I do this with so-and-so? Bro, don't even mention that to me ever again. I just threw up in my mouth, Okay. No, you cannot do that, right? Or here's a, here's a question I get every once in a while. Mark, I'd like to get a tattoo, and I'm pretty sure the Bible doesn't say it's right or wrong either way. Can I get, what should I do? Should I do? Hey, what do you do when you're facing a decision that the Bible doesn't talk about? What do you do? What do you do when you're at the crossroads of a decision and you look in the Bible and it doesn't seem like God anywhere says it's a sin? God doesn't even seem to give permission for it. It just seems silent. What do you do? What do you do when there's a decision on the table and it isn't black, it isn't white, it's gray? See, at that point, what you and I need, it doesn't matter what it is. Maybe it's a tattoo. Maybe it's a piercing. Maybe it's a financial decision. Maybe it's, will I take that promotion? Maybe it's, should I get in this relationship? Should I stay in this relationship? See, at that point when we're at the gray area of our lives, and guys, let's just be honest, aren't most of the decisions that we make in life not in the Bible? They are. There's going to come a point if you've never never encountered this. I mean, listen, as a church leader, this is basically the world that I live in. Because behind the scenes, we're not struggling with sinful decisions. We're struggling with decisions that God doesn't answer explicitly black and white in the Bible. What do you do? See, at that point, when we're at that crossroads and we're in the gray area, what you and I need is one word that actually the Bible does use over and over. And it's this one word that could honestly save your life. What we need in those moments in the gray areas, the crossroads, when we don't know what to do, what we need in that moment is one word. And honestly, that one word, if you and I have it, it can help us to live a life of little to no regrets. And that one thing that we need at the crossroads, in the gray area, that one thing that we need is wisdom. And see, God talks all over about wisdom. God, one of God's favorite topics is the topic of wisdom. In fact, God wrote a whole book on it called the book of Proverbs. And one of the things God does over and over in the book of Proverbs is God talks about the benefit of having wisdom. I put some of these up on the screen here. Look at what it says here. It says that wisdom in Proverbs chapter 4, wisdom will protect you. 
So, so, if you want, so if you're at a place in your life you don't know what to do, but you don't want to mess it up, if you have wisdom, wisdom will keep you from messing it up. Wisdom can keep you from taking a step that ultimately, really, you don't want to go that far. Wisdom will protect you. Not only that, in Proverbs 15, it says wisdom is the path of life. Have you ever known somebody, you know, maybe they're here with you, don't look at anybody or anything like that. Might, be a, might have been a friend, might have been a family member. But you know somebody and they're making the decision and you can see where this is going to take them, you know what I mean? And you're thinking, to the, you're thinking to yourself, maybe you even told them, this is not going to go well. What they need at that point is wisdom. Because wisdom is the path of life. You get off the path of life, it's destruction. Or hey, here we all want this one. I don't care if you're a Christian, non-Christian, I don't care what you are today. Proverbs 8.32, wisdom will make you happy. Everybody wants to be happy. Raise your hand. Who wants to be happy? Raise your hand. Who wants to feel like a room without a roof? Raise your hand. Some of you will get that, the rest of you will get it later, right? We'll be happy, right? Everybody wants to be happy. Wisdom will make you happy. I love how the beginning of Proverbs chapter 8 talks about wisdom. This is, from a, this is from a version of the Bible called The Message, and I just love how it puts stuff. Watch this. I'll read this for us. Proverbs chapter 8. Do you hear Lady Wisdom calling? Can you hear Madam Insight raising her voice? She's taken her stand at first and main at the busiest intersection, right in the city square where the traffic is thickest. She shouts, you, I'm talking to all of you. I'm talking to everybody at Summit, I'm talking to everybody in Eastern Kentucky and beyond. I'm talking to you today, everyone out here on the streets. Look at this. Listen, you idiots. I love that. Learn good sense. You blockheads, shape up. What's it saying there? Wisdom will take some of the dumb out of your life. Amen? Anybody want less dumb? I want less dumb. I do. You don't have to raise your hand. I want less dumb. Don't, I love this. Watch this. Watch this. Don't miss a word of this. I'm telling you how to live well. I'm telling you how to live at your best. Believe in God or not. Believe in God or not. Here's what I bet. You might be here. You're, not an, you're, you're an atheist, rather. You don't believe in God. Here's what I bet. I bet if you were honest, you'd say, you know what, Mark? If there is a God, though, if there is a God, I would want his best for my life. Wisdom will get you there. Wisdom can take some of the dumb out of your life. Wisdom can take some of the regrets out of your life. In fact, since we're preaching on tattoos today and piercings, I, look, I Googled this week dumb tattoos. You'd be surprised what you get when you Google dumb tattoos. Can I show you some examples of what you'll get when you Google dumb tattoos? Of course I can. Look at this. Stupid. Look at that. That's a tattoo on a dude's head. See, wisdom will keep you from doing that, man. Wisdom will... I, I, I put this one out, I tweeted, I put this out on Instagram earlier this week, watch this. I, you might, the, I don't know if you can see it because of the lights. It says, I'm awesome, awesome is spelled wrong. There's no E there. Here's this one, this is, a, lot of this, a lot of you guys might have seen this one, you can't see this one because of the lights either. Live without, it's supposed to say regrets, there's no R, it says live without regrets. Um, there's a regret, a regret right there. Um, see, here's what I want to do today. What I want to do is I want to give you and I three questions that we can ask ourselves so that we can have wisdom. And honestly, these are three questions that I've used for me for years just to navigate the gray areas of life. So when you've got a decision and you don't know what to do, and man, you're just searching, and man, it just seems like God is silent on it, and it's a gray area, I want to give us three questions today that will help you and I have wisdom wisdom. But before we answer those three, before I give you those three questions, we need to define what in the world is 
wisdom. What do we mean? What does the Bible mean when it talks about wisdom? Because maybe when you think about wisdom, some of you right now are thinking about somebody you know that's really smart. Some of you, if you're really close to Jesus, you're thinking about Yoda. Right? Just kidding. Wisdom. What is it? Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 actually gives us a definition of wisdom. And it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And see, when the Bible talks about fearing God, it doesn't mean to be afraid of God. Really, I love, I love the way John Piper, he's a pastor, he's an author, defines the fear of the Lord. He says the fear of the Lord means this. It's the fear of doing anything without God. I love that. Man, I love that. The fear of doing anything, of taking a step, of making a move without God. So here's my definition of wisdom. Here's my definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the fear of making any decision or living any part of our lives without God. Wisdom is the fear of making any decision or living any part of our lives without God. So I want to give us today three questions that you and I, we can ask ourselves so that we can have wisdom, so that we can navigate life regardless of what comes. We can navigate life. Doesn't matter if it's a tattoo. Doesn't matter if it's a promotion. Doesn't matter what is on the table. We can navigate it with wisdom. Three questions. First question that you and I need to ask ourselves in those gray areas, what are we going to do? First question we need to ask ourselves is what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? You say, Mark, why in the world is that the very first question? I thought that the Bible didn't say anything about tattoos. Mark, I'm facing a decision right now. The Bible doesn't say anything about this decision. You know what? A lot of times that's going to happen. A lot of times we're going to have decisions, and there might not be a verse about it in the Bible, but here's what also happens most of the time. There are places in the Bible, it might not speak specifically about that decision, but it does say things that correspond or relate to the decision that we're trying to make. And if we're going to make the decision well, if we're going to have wisdom, we need to know what the Bible says about every angle of this decision. So, there might not be a verse in the Bible about tattoos, but let's say you live at home with your parents. You want a tattoo. They don't want you to get a tattoo. What are you going to do? You know who wins that argument? They do. Why? Because you live at home with them. And the Bible is real clear. All over the Bible. Submit to authorities. Children, obey your parents. You might not like that. You might wish that it didn't say that, but it still says it, and we can't change it. Or you might be here, and you're not interested in getting a tattoo. You're not interested in getting anything pierced at all, but you're one of those people that when you see somebody totally tatted up, you say to yourself, or you might say to other friends, there's no way a real Christian could look that way. I don't even know them, but I bet they're not Christian, because you can't love God. And look like that. Hey, listen, if that's you today and you think that, let me give you a verse that you need to go out and get tattooed on you this week. All right? Look at this. Look at this next verse. I think it's going to pop up on the screen. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? The heart. I see some of the most Sunday-dressed people that could talk the role of being a Christian, and they didn't know God. God looks at the heart. A lot of times, we look at the outside. Hey, maybe, you know what? Maybe it doesn't have anything at all to do with tattoos or piercings. Maybe you're here and you're at a stage in life, you don't know what college to go to. 
And you've been looking at the Bible, and the Bible doesn't say it's a sin to go to which college or which college God prefers. That's not in the Bible at all. But here's what God is really clear at, regardless of wherever you plant your life. God wants you to be a part of a church where you can grow and give and serve. So yeah, you might have had that school picked out, but have you considered where in the world are you going to get planted so that you can grow? That's a decision that God's clear on. You need to have that worked out as well. Or you might be here today, and God is calling you to take a step, and it freaks you out scares you to death. You don't know how it's going to come together. You don't know how it's going to come turn out. You just think and you're convinced that God might be leading you to it and you're afraid. Well, at that point, we know that the, that the, that the command in the Bible that God gives the most, the most repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid. So yeah, God might be opening doors and you might be afraid, but here's what we know. Fear is never a reason to stop following Jesus. Amen? It's not. Show me somebody that made a difference for God, and I'll show you somebody that was called by God to do something that absolutely scared them to death. Fear is never a reason to not take a step. See, I love what Psalm 19 says. It's been up there. I think it'll come back. Psalm 19, 7 says this. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's talking about the Bible. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, watch this, watch this, right where we're at this morning, making wise the simple. Who's the simple? I am. I'm the simple. You're the simple. We're all the simple. And so if we want wisdom from God, we need to know what God has said. So we're not starting with, this is what I want to do, this is what I say. We're starting with, what does God say? What has God said? We're going to try to cover every angle because we want to hear from God. That's the path of life. That's where the path of life, wisdom, starts. What does the Bible say? But we're not done there. We're not just going to look at what does the Bible say and then call it a day and make a decision. No. Here's another question for you. Here's the second question for us. Help us navigate the gray area. Number two, what do godly, wise people say? What do godly, wise people People say, well, Mark, I thought we only wanted to hear what God said. Yeah, we do want to hear what God says, but you know what? A lot of times God speaks through God's people. A lot of times God speaks through his people. And see, there are people that that might be at a different stage than us. Maybe they've taken the step that we're afraid to take, and we need to talk to those people because they can help us to see things that we don't see, right? So you want to get the tattoo of your boyfriend's name on your cheek, Somebody could tell you, slow that puppy down, right? They might remind you a tattoo lasts how long? How long does a tattoo last? Forever, right? Hey, wisdom, somebody else could come to you and you're wanting a tattoo. Somebody else could come to you and talk about how as you get older, gravity kicks in. Things begin to sag a little, right? So so the zebra you want tattooed at 22 could become a giraffe at 82. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Right? You catching what I'm throwing people? Right? You, you need wisdom. <laughs> just trying to welcome to Summit. I'm just, you need wisdom for this kind of thing. I, here, here, here's a verse. I love this verse. Proverbs 15, verse 22. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Plans go wrong for lack of 
advice. But many advisors bring success. And see, we're not saying that every single Christian that gives you advice, we take that advice to heart and we do what, we, what they say. But here's what we are saying. There should be a small group of people in your life that love Jesus. They're not perfect, but they love Jesus and they love you. They love you enough to tell you the truth, not what you want to hear. Do you know the difference? They're, they're not yes people. If it's a boneheaded move, they love you enough to tell you that's a boneheaded decision. Don't do it. You need people in your life who love Jesus, love you enough to tell you the truth, and that you trust with their opinion. I remember when God called us to come back, uh, come back here, move back home, and start Summit. One of the very first things that I did, I had four or five people in my life that I went to and asked, hey, you know what, I think that God is leading us to do this. Do you think that I'm gifted to do this? Do you think that, that God could really use me to do this? And I told God before I went and talked to these guys, I said, God, if any of them say no, I'm not going to do it. Now, I did it, so it's obviously what they said. It's obvious what they said. But there were people that God had brought in my life that I went to for counsel. Let me ask you a question. Who is that for you? Who are the people right now in your life that you can name, that you love, that love you enough to tell you the truth, that love Jesus, and you can trust with their opinion? If you don't have anybody, you need to join a group here at church today. You need to take the, take the connection card that you got when you walked in, flip that thing over, and on that portion where it talks about volunteering, you need to join one of our serve teams because you don't just serve with those people. Those people will pray for you. They'll encourage you. They'll be there for you when you need people. You need those people in your life. In just a few weeks, we're going to announce all of our life groups for the, for the fall semester. That we're going to do that in the second weekend of August. We're going to announce that. Listen, I said this last week. Let me say it again. Make the decision now to join a life group. I know you're busy, but it matters. Make the decision now to put people in your life who can speak wisdom into your life. Now, let me say something really quick that I just felt all week that I need to say before we move on to this point. Some of you are here, and you're about to make a decision you don't want anybody to know about. You want to know how to make a bad decision? have plans to do something, and you don't want anybody to get in the way. You hope nobody finds out. You've quit reading the Bible weeks ago because you know what God says about it, and it convicts too much to read. You've walked away from that. And you're hoping that nobody at church or family or friends find out because you want to do it. And I just want to say to you today, you need to stop. You need to put it in reverse. You need to turn around because you are on the brink of destruction. Getting off the path of life is the path of destruction. That's not the decision in the long run that you need to make. But if you're here today and you're on the brink of making a decision that's going to take your relationship with God in a wrong direction, take your relationship with your family in a wrong direction, it's going to mess up everything. You're hoping nobody finds out. I'm praying that God uses me in your life today to tell you to not make that move. But we need to know what the Bible says. And then we know what godly wise people say. Here's the last one, number three. After we look at what the Bible says and we've talked to a few of our friends, gotten some wisdom, number three, what is the wisest thing to do? What is the wisest thing to do? Should I marry this person? Should I even go out with this person? Should I buy this? Should I make this financial decision? Should I go to this school? Should I take this step that I think God is telling me to take? Should I get my ear pierced and my nose pierced and this ear pierced and have a chain that connects it all? No. 
No, because that will hurt. No Bible, it will hurt. When you sneeze, ah, bad. What is the wisest thing to do? See, I brought this cabinet up here on stage with me today. And um, we, we have cabinets. I just really, really, I can give you a little behind-the-scenes glimpse here at Summit because we have these cabinets all over uh, our church. This is for churches like ours. We don't own a building, obviously, with a forum. We rent this place. And so for churches like ours that are called church plants that don't have a facility, there are companies that make things that you'll just need. So we have cabinets like this for every area of our church. We've got one right over here our band does, kids do, and everything like that. I want to show you what's, uh, what's going on here on the inside, just to kind of give you a little behind-the-scenes look. And I promise this has uh, everything to do with how we're closing today. But every one of them looked like this right here. See, everything's got its nice little space. There's walls that separate it. Nothing touches each other. Even over here, even over here in every one of these, car, every one of these cabinets, you'll find them all over That we, because uh, we have to build it every Sunday, take it down every Sunday. It all goes in things like this right here. We've even got charts for where things go. So right here, the offering baskets need to go right here. We've got our communion supplies right here. We've got connection cards right up here. And nothing touches each other. Everything has its place. So if I take the offering supplies and I put the offering supplies here, it's in the wrong spot. Why? Because it's not supposed to be there. It goes there and it never moves. We've got materials right here to help kids check in and it goes right there. Not here, not here, right there. And it shouldn't touch anything else. It's got its place, it's separated, nothing gets in its way, and it stays there until I need it. And this right here is how a lot of people live their lives. Everything is in its place and nothing touches anything else. So here you've got your finances. Over here you've got your relationships. And right here you've got what you do with your free time. And maybe right here you've got your tattoos. And right here you've got your family. And right here you've got your retirement. And over here you've got some other decisions going on. This is the biggest bin. We'll give God the biggest bin. Right? Because he's God. Get the big bin, right? And we pull God out of the God bin on when? Sunday. Because that's God's time. And then when God time's over, where do we put God? Back in the God bin. And then when I'm focusing on my relationship, I pull out my relationship. I got a financial decision, and, and, and I'm freaking out over my finances. I pull out my finances. I'm going to get a tattoo of a zebra. It'll be a giraffe later. It'll be awesome. And all of this other stuff, and nothing touches anything. And we might pull God out of the God bin when life gets a little bit more difficult than we hoped that it would be, but otherwise God stays in the God bin. But most people, a lot of people, and a lot of people in church, Live their lives. Everything is separated. Nothing touches anything, and I'm doing what I want, and I might pull God out when I need him. Listen, this is a great way to do church. This is not how God wants you to live your life. Remember what we said wisdom is? Here it is in case you've already forgotten. Look at this. Wisdom is the fear of making any decision or living any part of our lives without God. So wisdom is the fear that I'm doing finances here without God. 
Wisdom is the fear that I've got my relationships at the top without God. Wisdom is the fear that I'm planning out my future and it's right here. And here's the college I'm going to go to and what I'm doing after college. And here's the house that I'm going to buy. Wisdom is the fear that I'm doing my future without God. Wisdom is the fear that I would take a step, that I would make a move without God. Doesn't matter if it's tattoos. Doesn't matter if it's piercings. Doesn't matter what it is. But wisdom says, God, I don't want to make a move without you. This is a great way to do church, and it is not how God wants me to live my life. It's not how God wants any of us to live. Let me show you what God wants for us. Look at this verse. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me. God, if you're here and finances are here and tattoos are here and what I'm doing next weekend and what my friends have invited me to and my boyfriend and my girlfriend and my fiance and it's all here and it's all set, God, search me right now because there is nothing off limits from you. Search my finances. Search my motives. Search my heart. Search my desires for where I want to be in the next five years. God, I hate the thought of making a move without you. See, today, today you might be here and you feel like you are at that crossroads. It's all gray. You don't know what to do. You don't know whether to turn, turn to the left. You don't know whether to turn to the right. You, you just don't know what to do. Listen, when you don't know what to do, let me tell you the first thing that you do. The first thing that you do is you say, God, I do not want to make a move without you. God, search my heart. Search my life. Let the flashlight of the Holy Spirit just make his way through every nook and cranny. I want you in all of it. When you don't know what to do, that's the first thing that you do. Maybe that's what God is saying to you today. Hey, you know what? Everything is going good in your life. You haven't given me this, you haven't given this to me yet. Hey, you know what? You've been trying to keep me off from this. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. It's all yours. Or you might be here today. And you are the one that's on the brink of making that decision. Or maybe you're not here and you're listening maybe to the podcast, but you're here today and you're li- or you're listening and you are about to make a decision that you hope no one stops. Because you know if people knew the decision, they would try to stop you. Can I stop you from making that decision today? Can I stop you from walking away from God? Can I stop you from destroying your family? Can I stop you from doing something that, yeah, it might feel good in the moment, but just a few minutes after that or later on, you're going to spend years in regret of that decision. Can I just urge you and beg you, and only God's the one that can do it, but maybe he'll use me in your life today. Can I just urge you to hit the brakes, shift in a reverse, and back it up and turn around and not make that decision? And say, God, I don't want to make this decision. I don't want to make a move without you. Or you might be here today. And you have never given your life to Jesus. And God is speaking to you today. And what he's saying to you is, it is time to stop making moves without me. It is time to stop making plans without me. Yeah, you've been going to church and a lot of great things are going on in your life right now. And I'm at work in your life. But I want you to give me 
your life. And so God is speaking to you today, and I'm telling you, if God is speaking into your heart and he's telling you that today you need to give your life to Jesus, don't shove it off, don't make excuses for doing it later. That is the best decision, that is the wisest decision to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time ever. And I'm telling you that when he steps in, because he will, and when he does, he'll not only change this life, he'll change your life for all of eternity. Wisdom starts with Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, wisdom starts with you. God, without you, we can't do it. God, without you, we don't, we don't want to make a move. God, just as a church, we do not want to make a move without you. As families and individuals, we don't want to make a move without you in any area of our lives. So, Father, right now, would you search this room and search our hearts and have your way with us in your name. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. How many of you today, by raising your hand, would say, Mark, I've got a decision to make, and it feels really big, and I don't know what to do, and I need prayer right now. I've got a decision to make, and I just need prayer. I need God's help with this decision. Raise your hand right now. Go ahead and raise your hand. Right over there is a hand. There off to the side, there's a hand. Right here in the middle, there's more hands. If that's you, just put your hand up. Say, God, I just need help with this decision. I feel like I'm at that crossroads and I want wisdom. Raise your hand right here up front. Another hand. I want to challenge you to do something. Because today we talked about making godly, getting godly wise counsel in our lives. Maybe you raised your hand. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you're at that place. I just feel like I'm, I'm on the, I got a decision to make. There's a lot of big things going on in my life. I need help. I need prayer. I want to challenge you right now to not make that decision alone. I want to challenge you right now, if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't, I want to challenge you, get up out of your seat right now, make your way to the back of the auditorium. There are people right now that want to pray with you. Would you just get up and go right now? Just get up and go right now. If you're saying, you know what, I need prayer about an issue in my life. I'm struggling. I need wisdom. I need encouragement. I want to be prayed for today. Get up and go right now. Just go. You might be here today, and God is speaking into your life. And God is telling you, today is the day that you give me your life for the very first time. Today is the day that you surrender to me. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, and right now you want to become a Christian. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer. These are not magic words. But it's a prayer of turning from sin and turning to Jesus. In fact, if you want to do that today and you already know what to say, you say it. But if you're in that seat and you're saying, I don't know what to say, help me. I want to help you. And if you want to begin that relationship with Jesus and turn from sin and turn from doing it on your own and turn to him for the very first time, I want you to pray this prayer with me right where you're at. Just simply say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Make all things new in my life. I don't want to make a move without you from this moment forward. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Amen. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you just prayed that prayer, 
if you just prayed that prayer, I want to celebrate with you, and I'm going to count to three. As soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand high up in the air to say, today is the day I am making the decision to give my life to Jesus Christ. No turning back. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if that's you. And if you're making that decision, I want you to look at me right now. Just go ahead and look at me. On the back of your connection card, when you walked in, there's a box that says, I gave my life to Christ. Check that box. Check that box before you leave. On your way out today, we've got a free Bible. We've got a green book. It's called Seek First. We want to give that to you today. We want to put that in your hand. But here's the deal. Don't leave today, guys, until you let somebody know what God did in your life. God, for the person that might be here or is listening, and they're starting to make a move without you. They're starting to slowly walk away. Don't let them do it. I pray you'd help them to turn it around, to get away from the edge, and to get to that place where they're afraid to make a move without you. Father, what we want is wisdom, because wisdom will lead us closer to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Someone, let's thank God for the gospel. Let's thank God that God's a God of wisdom. You know, James 1 says that, that God says in James 1 that if we ask for wisdom, he'll give it. So we pray and we ask God for wisdom, and he gives us that wisdom. Hey, I want to mention some things to you. Right now, we're about to go outside and do some baptisms. It's going to be fun outside, so stick around for that. Let's cheer these people on that are about to get baptized right out front. Also, for middle school, high school students, one that I was told to mention to you really quick before I let you go, that tonight at 7 in the multi-purpose room, they're starting a, a special thing for all of our middle school, high school students, big study uh, during the summer. That starts tonight at 7. Guys, next week, next week, we're going to answer the question, what does the Bible say about divorce? And it's going to be a powerful Sunday. Don't miss it. Stick around outside for the baptisms. Love you guys. You're dismissed.
the grave. 